Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I've got a good friend of mine on the show, Aaron, who is actually one of the most inspiring guys that I've met. And even though like, I haven't spent a lot of time talking to him, every time I get to hear him talk or speak or you know, we're at a table, I just take away so many nuggets and the conversation goes deep and it's amazing and it's powerful. So I'm excited to kind of share this conversation with you today. And this guy's like one of them sleeping giants. He's like a Viking that you know people would not even understand how successful this guy is. Yet just such a genuine human being, which is the type of people that I want to be around. So Aaron, thank you for being on the show. Mike, what a what an intro, man. I mean, I could turn that intro around to say that's exactly the way that our circle of friends talks about you. Um, so the uh, super inspiring, glad to be here. And thank you for such kind words for us to kick this thing off. Yeah, I totally mean it, man. Every time, uh, and again, you know, we haven't spent hundreds of hours together, but every time we get into a conversation, I'm just like, I get so inspired and energized and I think about it for a while. So love watching what you're doing too. So let's jump into the questions. Who's had the greatest impact on your life? Who has had the greatest impact on my life? I love getting to think about, there's like uh, every one of your questions, it's so hard to dial down to one thing, mm-hmm. right? But when I say uh, my dad had the greatest impact on my life, if I was going to go through a whole bunch of different things. Now that's a pretty, maybe a fairly common answer. Um but there's several parts of that that I just want a few minutes to kind of go into. Um, you know, my dad treated me a lot different growing up than he treated my siblings. Hmm. And there was a lot of my life, I was super resentful about that. So some examples, living in Southern Oregon, we get snow days, it snows all night. And we're like, that's so awesome. We don't have to go to school today. We have to go play in the snow, but I didn't get to play in the snow. I had to shovel roof, I had to shovel snow off our roof and shovel snow out of the driveways while my siblings were sledding. So I remember being on like top of the roof, like working, sweating, like getting all the snow off the top of our roof, watching my siblings like play in the snow. And I'm like, this is so unfair. And during the summer, the, um, you know, it's summertime. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, it's cool. It should be summertime. And he's like, well, no, I need you to go weed eat all those fields for me um, while your siblings are playing, Mm -hmm. having fun. So he had these, uh, he taught me and made me, uh, have work ethic. Now, he paid me for all that stuff. And he always paid me a little bit less than I thought I was worth. And I, he definitely <laughs> paid me more than I was probably worth um, at the time. So he really made me, um, you know, kind of work hard no matter what. And I remember as a kid being super resentful and as an adult being super grateful um, because when different stuff hit the fan, having that kind of work ethic of having to work and do the hard thing when you don't want to. Mm. Um, is such a life skill for success and getting taught at a young age like this is super annoying i don't want to be doing it but there's no shortcut i'm going to be doing this for the next 60 hours no matter what so i might as well do it he always provided jobs for me when i needed it when i got in a bunch of trouble uh, in my 20s man i went to um you know, i went to prison in southern california and he would drive down to see me every couple weeks to always just be supportive when it was time um 
for me to get out. It was like creating jobs, going above and beyond to like fight for me during that time. Mm. And I, even during that time, I was kind of annoyed by it. Yeah. I was like kind of annoyed by how much interaction he, and how much inter interjection and how much he was trying to control. But man, he was, he was always so there for me. And then um, about seven years ago, he passed away way before he should have. Mm. And I'd had a bunch of ups and downs through that. And then I had this kind of moment where I was down and he passed away and he was that safety net. And, um, and it was very inspiring to me at that time because kind of him leaving and these last lessons that he wanted to teach me really changed my projection over the next six or seven years. It was around that same time I found GoBundance. It was around that same time I found this new business opportunity after resetting three times. And um, so, yeah, so a lot of reasons he's the most influential guy uh, to me. And my biggest lesson was I didn't even, I didn't appreciate it and realize it till, till he was gone, which I think is super common for the way that people mm -hmm. live life. We learn those lessons after, but yeah. You know, um, when you, when you brought it up that it was your dad, you know, a lot of people do say that. And a lot of times there's a follow-up to that where they say, you know, this is probably the cliche answer, but um, I don't know when you said that, you know, there's a lot of guys in GoBundance and, you know, front row dads that John runs and that kind of stuff. And that's the thing that like, I've really been trying to lean into lately is just that relationship. And it makes sense why, you know, that relationship, it, people say it's cliche, but you're, your answer to that, um, I, I have a couple questions. So were you the first child or what? I was the, I was not. Oh. I was the, um, so my dad had one son with his first marriage and then I had an older daughter or an older sister, sorry. So I was the, I was the second child of his second marriage. I was the oldest boy of his okay. second marriage. Okay. Um, I think that's, if you, if there was going to be a reason why, I think it, I think I was because the, I was, because I was the oldest son in yeah. his second marriage. Yeah, I have a couple of questions, and that's why I was asking. Um, were you guys a lot alike? So absolutely, right? And as we as we get to learn that later, mm -hmm. it's part of the reason I felt like it was cliche because there's also like my wife has made a huge impact on my life. There's other mm -hmm. people, yeah. other business partners and stuff that have sure. huge impacts on my life. But when you have to choose one, it goes back to him. But um, you know, personality wise, we were a lot. We are a lot alike. Our personalities are a lot alike. I don't know if that's because. He made me that way though. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know if yeah. naturally I would be, I remember seeing later, like er, in my early twenties, like going to work and it would be funny. We'd be holding our clipboards the same and our, and our, you know, you'd see us next to each other. And it was like, people would laugh. Yeah. It was almost like we looked like twins, just different, different ages and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, the reason why I'm asking that it's just been something that's like fresh on my mind lately. And, um, you know, my, my oldest is 21. My, my middle son is uh, 19 and then my daughter's 17. And my oldest son just moved to Austin on his own with his girlfriend. My middle son, we just relocated to North Hollywood. He's doing an internship there. And uh, on Father's Day, my wife has a podcast called Marriage, Money, and Mayhem. And on Father's Day, um, she interviewed all my kids, um, you know, just like what dad meant to them. And my middle son made a comment and he said one of the things that he appreciated about me, and this is kind of stuck, and that's why I was asking that thread. Um, he said one of the things that he appreciated about me was I never, like, pushed on him, you know, the things that I like to do. I always kind of leaned into what he liked, and I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't force him to do things that I wanted to do. And I don't know that I was told, I, I know I was aware of it and cognizant, but it made me start thinking, my oldest son and I are a lot alike in terms of, you know, the things we enjoy and the things we want to do and how we approach certain things. And you know, Tim and I are, are different in a lot of those areas. And when I heard him 
mirror that back. I had thought about it, but I don't know how conscious I was about it, but I would always try to like basically, you know, try to figure out how to get into his world and not bring him into my world. And I don't know, it's just fresh on my mind and, and just that whole story with your dad and, you know, you didn't really learn to appreciate it until I, I think that's going to sink in for a lot of people. So I just wanted to kind of dig on it and it's fresh for me with Tim and, you know, the way we parent, I know that's a big part of, you know, what you guys do, um, which we can get into later, but you know, the family unit is so important. Yeah. Yeah. The new age, we definitely, I mean, you and I definitely parent intentionally. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, there's definitely this intentional kind of decision in the way that we do that. So I could see that definitely, it's really cool when, um, when your kids are old enough now to actually notice the stuff ahead of time. The fact that he could say, I appreciate you do this for me. Mm -hmm. You're like, wow, my kids are a little younger than yours. And so we, we are just now starting to see some of the some of the the benefit or some of the the like them the acknowledgement of hey we appreciate you guys parenting this way mm -hmm. um it was really unfortunate i didn't appreciate my parent my my parents my dad's parenting until much later but it was also a much different version right it was like the the harder people don't parent like that much today yeah uh like that like the you know it's, it's this way and you're going to learn the lesson later yeah. we do it with a lot softer hands today yeah even if we're doing those those same lessons but yeah I, I love I love what you said about as parents you know we're parented a certain way and then we get to as you dig into your kids now focusing so much more on what what makes them happy mm -hmm. and uh yeah I was reflecting and that's why I asked the question if you were the you know the first child or or like him too because you know Karen and I've talked about this a little bit lately but Dylan our oldest son number one, we're a lot alike, but number two, he was our first kid. And we were pretty hard on him in the first few years, you know, like we're young parents and transitioning and, you know, and then Timmy comes along and everything's a lot more chill. And, um, but also, you know, I was thinking about, I actually made this comment out loud the other day, Dylan and I used to hunt a lot together and Timmy didn't really enjoy hunting. He would go out and hunt, you know, from time to time, but Dylan and I spent a lot of time in the mountains. And so, you know, we're broken down, we're changing tires, all that kind of stuff. And Timmy moved to LA and I was like, I don't know if I ever taught Timmy how to change a tire. So you like go through these periods of time of like reflection and, um, but yeah, we were pretty tough on Dylan, but also like, I, I think I taught Dylan a lot more life skills because he was, he was, he would ask to come along. Right. I wasn't forcing him into my world, but, um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting reflecting on that. So I think it's a powerful conversation. Yeah. The, they say you should always apologize to your first kid for how you parented, <laughs> so right? Because the because at the beginning we de I mean, we're all doing our best, but we definitely don't know what we're doing on kid number one. And Maddie, my oldest, we definitely she definitely had uh, some of the growing pains of that of us trying to parent one way and then try to parent another. Yeah. And then our last kids should definitely thank the oldest kids totally. because they, they helped teach us how to be, uh, you know, softer parents. Yeah, totally. I remember when Kara and I, Dylan had some health issues, which I won't go into right now, but um, we, he ended up having to be born in Salt Lake. And when they finally, when he was finally born, everything was okay. He had to have a surgery later. But when they let us leave the hospital, they're like, do you, you want to stay one more night or do you want to go? And we're like, we want to go. And we left and rented a hotel room in Salt Lake and the kid was crying all night and everything else. And Kara and I looked at each other the next day and number one, we're like, we should have stayed in the hospital another night. But number two, we just started talking about like the fact that you have to go through more to get your driver's license then for them to release you with your brand new kid. Right. And it's such like a crazy, like almost traumatizing time for parents too. It's interesting. There's no manual. There's no any, all we know is like how we were parented. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Kind of. Or if we got to see a little bit of that 
you know, with babies and things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun parenting is a fun topic. You know, it's like, but anything it's, yeah, I was, when you asked me that question, who is the most influential? And I was instantly, you know, my, again, I'm like, well, there's lots of different people, mm -hmm. lots of different business partners and my spouse and all this thing, but it definitely went back to my dad as that number one answer. And yeah, and it felt, and it felt so cliche. It's like, God, there's gotta be a better, but, but if nothing else, maybe it just resonates that as uh, if you are a parent, that is such a huge, you have such a huge impact and such a huge role, whether yeah. you want to have one or not. Yeah as a parent, you automatically have the opportunity to have the most influence ever. Yeah. On a yeah. There's going to be other influences too. I have all these other influences too, but my dad this many years later still had more influence on me than anyone else. You know, I think it's such a, we're, we're camping on question one, but I think it's so powerful. And I love, I love that you brought it up in, in the way it's come about because you know, you're, you're successful. You're running multiple businesses. You've got a huge portfolio. We're involved in a lot of different organizations. Um, but keeping that family unit first, like I think there's such a, a tragedy going on in the world where, you know, so many men are absent from their kids' lives because they're out there saying that, you know, I, there's almost like this idea that we're doing it for them, right? I've had this, I've, I've heard this so many times, Kara and I run a, a couple's mastermind and, you know, men specifically, I think more, and that's not that women aren't prone to it, but I think men specifically, we think we're we think we're doing this for our children. And I think this conversation is powerful because you're right in the sense that we do have such an impact on their life. And we only got one shot at this, right? Yeah. It's so crazy. It's wild. Um, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Man, the, uh, I know you sent that one over to him. Like, what is my thing? Fail, like one thing, failure is, I can, I can only think back to like my failure moments, like moments that were like the biggest impact that changed who I was. And since I've had a few big failures, <laughs> I don't know if I would, I don't know how I would, would really rank them. So, so the question is, is what's one thing that has had more impact than anything else on your life? Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would take it to, um, Go, like going to zero and hitting that bottom and starting over. I have three times that happened and I can't rank one over the other. It was like each one was a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So I, I quickly said at the beginning when I was 20, I went to prison and which was crazy because the year prior, it was like valedictorian in my high school mm -hmm. and voted most likely to succeed. And my first year at University of Oregon, I had all A's in the, in the School of Architecture program, which is like the heart, one of the top 10 architecture program. So it's hard, mm -hmm. right? So if you were looking at me outside, looking in, you're like, Hey, this kid's going to do awesome in life. Mm -hmm. Well, so the, but wasn't very good socially, got caught up with the wrong people, made some stupid decisions and spent two years in a Southern California prison. Now that had a huge, huge impact on my life because before that I was, I knew everybody I was going to school with in the small town I grew up in my family was well known. And so I was well known in town and, um, and you know, and I, and I was a really good student and that also helped me get out of a lot of trouble because I was also a bit of a troublemaker in high school, but because I was a four point student and because my parents are who they were, I'd never really get in any trouble. And that was the first time that, man, it did not matter who I was or what I was. It was that great equalizer where it is just me and nobody cared what my name was or who I was or who my parents were. I was, you know, in an orange jumpsuit next to anybody else. And it was, you know, you were eating top ramen and beans and the most, like the most, like go to a bottom experience. Mm. 
and then during that time too, having this reflection of going like, I am 21 years old, mm-hmm. sitting in prison, like in a place where I feel like I don't belong and I'm a minority in Southern California, uh, you know, there and going, I lost the best year, you know, a couple of my most prime years of my life. How am I going to get this back? Mm-hmm. So during that time, I got to reflect. I started to figure out what I wanted to be being taken away from this place where my family couldn't have the influence, couldn't fix everything. Couldn't go, I got to really figure out like, what do I want to do when I grow up? How do I want to do it? And then getting this drive of going like, Oh man, I got to hit the ground running when I get out of here. Mm-hmm. Cause I've already lost, I'm two years behind. Yeah. And when you're 22, 23, two years behind feels like a lot. Like when now I'm 41. Yeah. I don't really feel like I'm behind or ahead of anybody anymore, but when you're young, you get to feel like somebody else is doing better than you. Mm. Like what? I went to high school at the same time as them and they're getting paid $20,000 a year more than me yeah. in their job or, Oh, so what? So I, so I felt like I was behind off to the races. Um, so that was a huge, huge impact uh, for me at that time. I had a couple other like ups and downs in businesses and bottoms. And then the other super significant impact was 2013, 2014, where in my business, went to zero again. Um, my wife and I were, we were doing really, really well, but we were not doing, we were not very humble. And God had just done this giant reset on us mm. and pulled it all out from under us. We were on, you know, on the verge of divorce, on the verge of, of, of everything. And it was so funny later reflecting, going like, wow, I've been to prison. I've gone to zero a couple times already. Mm-hmm. How am I at 30, you know, five years old at this point where, I might get a divorce with my three young kids because I'm a jerk and because I wasn't a good father and because everything else is more important. And I'm back to zero again after making millions last year. Like it was such a, like, why didn't I learn from the first mistake? Why didn't I learn from the second mistake? It was embarrassing really that time. It was like, how can I be here after all the bottoms I've hit before? Um, But man, that was the most humbling time where it really reset who my wife and I are as spouses, as parents, as humans. And what we really, really wanted out of life that time. And I tell you what, after that reset, the goals and the foundations that we had from then on, like my first one turned me into the, like the man who I needed to be, to become this successful person that could like be an entrepreneur and find the ups and downs. And that more recent one was the one that turned into this man I wanted to be to have legacy Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life for like, what's important, like what drives me for everything I do now. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested because three rock bottoms and I got to, you know, hear the the deeper version, obviously, at GoBundance and really appreciated. I learned so much from just hearing your story and and how you recovered. But I mean, the first one, the first rock bottom was like, you know, young guy doing stupid stuff, right? Like um, the second one, I think, was economy related. And the third one was like, you guys were just balling and making bad decisions. I think it probably all comes back to bad decisions. But, you know, all the rock bottoms were kind of different different scenarios, different worlds. And so when I like what you said, you know, after the last one, it was more about legacy and um, to tie that together for me, because what are the, like, what are the things that, I mean, obviously we're going to have ups and downs no matter what, right. But how do we, what are kind of the things that have anchored you now that you won't make those mistakes again? Um, doesn't mean you won't have some downs and some ups, but what's going to keep you from rock bottom? Your memories are really good one too because the because my three because my first one was my first bottom was the prison related one that was kind of 
bad decision. There's a bit of ego that tied into that too, because I kind of felt invincible, right? Because I was a kid that was a bit of a troublemaker, but because of my, because of how I was as a student and things like that, I kind of got away with stuff. Um, but then that really set me out to be like, whoa, you, like, life is short, don't screw around, like it can be taken from you at any minute. So that first one was kind of realizing like, hey, like you've gotten away with a lot of stuff. And maybe I'm kind of lucky I only spent two years in prison. Mm -hmm. right? Like I am lucky I only spent two years in prison just flat out. And yeah. so, so yeah, that first lesson was like, what are you doing with yourself? You have so much potential in life. You're going to just, you're going to screw up all your potential if you don't take this life a little bit more serious. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of that first one. I hit the ground running. And when I went back to school that time, I was paying for my, my school. And I remember, you know, going into every classroom, trying to figure out what can I learn? So I had like this focus on take this life thing serious. You have so much potential, really there's so much God given potential of, of like your brain and whatever else, like don't take it for granted mm -hmm. because I'm better off than most people are just by the gifts I was born by where I was born yeah. when I was born, whatever. Like yeah, yeah. I know that I have a lot of privilege and luck based mm -hmm. on the luck of the draw. And then the second one was totally economic related. And so I didn't cause it, but I learned a lot of lessons from it. So it was, you know, I'm a, I'm a home builder in 2005 and had a lot of money coming in. And it was this unrealistic expectation of life, because if you're a home builder in Southern California in 2005, houses are selling as soon as you're starting your concrete we were in full control. We could tell contractors whatever we wanted. You could call the framer and say, I need you to finish it two weeks early and give me a $5,000 discount. And they would say, okay, yes, sir. No problem. Like it was this total, like we were in total control of it. It was really easy to get cocky with that. And I had this unrealistic expectation too, where it's like, this is awesome. Cool. I got a degree. I went and got a job and now I'm getting paid a whole lot of money. And you know, we're running this home builder and life is easy. Well, the housing market crashed and we couldn't have, we didn't, again, we didn't cause that, but all of a sudden it was very quickly from, you know, running businesses to doing manual labor on job sites again and pulling out the hammer and cleaning the stuff because we couldn't pay the cleaners and taking these huge pay cuts. And I tell you what, the skills that my dad taught me when I had to shovel the roof when mm -hmm. I didn't want to mm -hmm. and when I had to weed eat when I didn't want to, that really, really helped me during the 2007 to 2009 period because it was really easy for me just to suck it up and go, you know what, this sucks. It's a pay cut, but we got to just make money to survive. And so we're just going to work. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And we're going to be safe with our money and safe with our finances and start being careful. And the other lesson too, that I kind of learned that I should have learned during that time that I didn't really was that when you're making a lot of money, you should save because you might not be making a lot of money forever. Mm -hmm. But the big lesson I learned at that point was I can work my way out of most problems if I don't give up. Um, and I kept working, I kept working, I kept working, kept trying to find these opportunities and discovered this new business at that time that really helped set me off that last set of lessons. And so 2009, 2009 discovered courthouse step flipping, hmm. right? At the time, no one else was doing it to really fast forward with that. My dad was my first investor. He told a business partner about it. That guy called somebody. And before I knew it. I had this huge fund where we flipped like a thousand houses and investors were making a bunch of money. And I got to run this home build, this, this flipping company, like a home builder. I learned how to be a home builder. Amazing. Right. And all the cash was coming in. And, um, now that downturn near the end of it, near 2012, 2013, 
I had an opportunity to, to sell the company, but I was too cocky. My ego was too big thinking no matter what, I'm still going to be making this money all the time. Mm -hmm. So one of the false lessons was if I'm making $100,000 a month or $200,000 a month right now, then the worst it's going to get is like 50. It'll never go to zero. So the belief that it'll never go to zero, or even if I lose 90% of my revenue, I'll still be doing better than I need to um, at that time. And then also trying to take credit for it. My wife and I, you know, arguing over stuff, you know, saying like, no, this is my money. No, this is my money. No, I did it. Instead of us being like a, a family unit, mm. which we have a great balance now, we didn't have one. So during, when that was taken away at that point, having going from millions and lots of employees and lots of fun toys and from the outside everyone thinking this Aaron guy is a super baller and um and me really feeling like man I'm I'm awesome I'm top dog I'm really cool that I was able to discover this business and do so well mm. well lost it all the reason your question was how do I make sure that I'm gonna um you know not fall into those traps again yeah maybe the some of the principles right like yeah yeah it was, it was such a longer, um, it was traumatic, right? So like the first year of that was really just like depression of really having to soak in, like, what did I do wrong? What did I learn? Hmm. What would I do different next time? And, um, and so some of the principles we learned during that time, and it was like 12 to 18 months of really sinking in the lesson. And I felt like as soon as I learned the lesson, it took off. So one of them was going, man, I cannot believe I spent money on this and this and this and this, hmm. because that was too expensive. I wasted money on that. I wasted money on that toy, on that thing. I wish I had that to pay my rent today. Yeah. And then we also, one of the other principles that came out of that was, um, wow, I'm so glad we went on this vacation and that vacation and that vacation. Cause we look back at those pictures and those memories and no one can take that away from us. Mm. So we had this mantra that became our experiences over things mantra. So our big lesson was if you're doing really, really well, um, you know, do the experiences over things. You'll never regret that. You will regret if you spend money on stupid toys mm -hmm. on like it's $4,000 sunglasses that I had, right? Like it's embarrassing <laughs> to say it. Right. Cause I, yeah, and you, and you've seen me, I love my sunglasses. I, sure. I, I like to really pick out some, some fun stuff, but when you're down and out, you're like, man, that was a bummer. So the experiences over things principle was a big part of it. The other one was also, um, you know, during that downtime, went back to church, really found my faith and needed that because there were a lot of weeks that was all I had to look forward to was on sun. Like, Hey, I just need to make it till next Sunday hmm. when I'm going to go in front of, and I'm going to be able to make it to church again and try to like raise me back up to be ready for the week. And by the time I'd show up to church every week, I was like down and out. And even the first year, like I was taking the kids myself because, because I had essentially ruined my marriage. Hmm. So Kalina didn't have to come with me. I had to fix myself first. Yeah. Um, generosity was the thing that I wish I would have done more. I thought, man, I was making so much money. I should have hmm. given more to the church. I should have donated more. I should have done those. So a principle that came out of that was giving away 30% of our income. Um, and a lot of that was, hey, if we ever, so we would tell ourselves, God, if we ever get another chance again, man, we're going to spend money on the right things and we're going to be you know, generous and we're going to help people with that and we're not going to take it uh for granted anymore and then um and then the more practical investment like you're an investment podcast the more invest the more practical thing that i learned i remember i went to a in 2015 i found a new opportunity to start buying houses again and it was kind of after i had learned my lesson like some floodgates kind of opened again and i went to this conference and there was at that time there was 10 companies that owned a thousand single family rentals or more now there's a lot 
But in 2015, there was only 10 companies that had that owned more than a thousand single family rentals. Hmm. And I thought, what? Like I flipped a thousand houses. I'm just a normal guy. That wasn't that hard. Like I should have kept those for rentals. I could be one of these top 10 mm -hmm. guys. So in 2015, my big practical financing lesson was instead of flipping houses and making money and spending it. And it's like so hard not to like, you're going to flip a house. You're going to make 20 grand. Like that's really cool. That's a lot of fun. It was like, well, what if instead of that, I put a renter in it, I get a loan on it and I start making a hundred dollars a month on that house. Yeah. Super boring. <laughs> um, super boring. And it was really hard, but because I had kind of lost it all before and I was super, super humble, I was like, man, making an extra hundred bucks a month, I'll just keep doing it. So 2015, I started flying out to Texas. I'd buy five to 10 houses a month. I'd put loans on them. We'd get renters in it and I'd fly back to California. I also was like, the prices will never go up or down in Texas because they'd always stayed the same. So I won't have the roller coaster I had in California. So I started buying 10 houses a month in Texas every month since 2015 these nice little base hits and just putting renters in them because prices were never going to go up. And then last year kind of like I hit the jackpot because prices went up. Wow. Price up a lot. And, uh, and it was, so my best kind of financial, I've had a lot of other big opportunities with businesses and things like that, but the coolest kind of financial gain I've seen was actually taking so many of those other lessons mm -hmm. and just going for the simple singles, like the base hits, and just knowing that eventually that it, um, with the thing I love about real estate is you can do a bunch of base hits in real estate. And every once in a while, every 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you could also see this crazy like Bitcoin type gain. So a few principles in there, my long answer of that. And I'm sorry, but yeah, no, the uh, experiences over things, be super generous when the money's coming in um, because there's going to be times when it won't. Right. And the and don't don't kind of take it for granted, like live now. Another principle that we did in, in 2017, we pulled our kids out of school. We started traveling the world. And we, we went all over the place. And part of that was the idea that when our kids turn 18, they might not want to hang out with us anymore. Mm -hmm. Part of it too was my dad had died and he hadn't ever retired. And we're like, we should have done more stuff. I tell you what, when 2020 hit and we didn't get to travel anymore, it was super cool to look back and go, wow, the last few years, like, thank God we spent all that time the last few years traveling so much, almost too much, because you never know because tomorrow isn't promised. Mm -hmm. Like the Taj Mahal might be gone tomorrow. Like and, and any, like if you're going to go see something, go see it now because yeah. tomorrow isn't promised. Yeah, so number one, you don't have to apologize because that was amazing. Um, yeah, just so much, so much wisdom in there. And, you know, things happen to us and a lot of people talk about their, you know, ups and downs, but the way that you, you know, just kind of threaded that in and unpackaged that is, is just super valuable. So I, I think we align on a lot of things, Kara and I, from the time we were married, um, and again, we haven't talked about a lot of, you know, deep things, but we've had this saying since we were married, um, that we wanted to make memories over possessions. Mm -hmm. And I've often said this, like what we quickly found out is that you can have both, right? It's not like one or the other, but if, you know, our kids have seen the world, we've been all over the place. And so we align on that. I want to touch on something, um, because you, you took the kids and you started traveling. You guys have some, a concept, is it called the five hour school week or something like that? That's a five hour school week. And, and before we totally kill that last part of it, I still like my things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Me too. Things. <laughs> I still like, you know, the toys and things like that, but I will, but you'll never regret doing the experience mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah. And so it was. Whereas now we do more experiences and we still do our things. There was that time where it was the other, the five hour school week is this, um, this concept that also occurred during our reset. 
Now, so during the reset, you start reflecting, wow, you know, what's, you know, we're starting to get our life back. Our kids are going to school at the time, this private Christian school. And, you know, my oldest daughter's seven and she's like stressed out. Mm. She's like top of her class. And I knew what that was like. I was top of my class, yeah. top of her class, doing homework. And one night she's like, hey guys, can I just not read tonight? Like I'm tired. And we're like, no, you have to read. Like, you, or you're going to get behind. We had this like belief, like the school system had totally programmed us as parents. And we had this night where we're reflecting like, our daughter just went to bed crying mm. because we said, no, you still have to read and do your homework. Now, and my dad would have said, you have to read, you have to do your homework. So we learn a little bit about stuff. And so we think we're doing some doing the right thing. And, but we're like, but she's seven and she's a little kid and what's going on. And she's reading way above her grade level. She's like seven reading at like a fifth grade level. And they're like, well, she'd be great if she could do a seventh grade level. Like mm -hmm. they don't make seven, the books written for seventh graders, seven-year-olds shouldn't be reading anyway. Um, but the, so that was part of the, where we started to question like, man, we've been doing this a certain way with school because it worked for us growing up and we were told that it was supposed to be like that. And sometimes like life sucks. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, no one wants to do homework, but you got to do it. So do it anyway. No one wants to shovel the snow. You got to do it, do it anyway. Um, but we started to maybe question it a little bit. Uh, fam abundance, go abundance. There were some events we went to that helped us really question that. And then we had this accidental event happen once, um, did a two week trip to Yosemite. Our daughter was still going to school at the time, um, but it was during that stressful time. And our whole family was like, again, we're doing everything that we were supposed to be doing. My business was coming back now. We were focused on family, but wasn't quite happy. And we're like, we're doing everything the world tells us to do. Like we got a job, we're focusing on family. Our kids are going to school, but it's unhappy. So we go to Yosemite. She's, um, my daughter's supposed to bring her homework down there. I'm planning to work when we're there. I'm planning to have her do homework. We're gonna go on a trip, but like still mm -hmm. not fully vacation. Well, the beauty of Yosemite was there was no internet when we were there, hardly any phone service, and Maddie forgot to bring her homework. So we're like, well, what can we do? Let's just enjoy Yosemite. And so for the next two weeks, we had the most awesome experience. Now, I was stressed about people at work not being able to get a hold of me, but it was like, there's nothing we can do about it. Let's yeah. just do this. Went on hikes, went to see the waterfalls. Every day went like on these ranger talks where we got to learn about they got to learn about glaciation or there was like an artist there or there was a mountain, a special mountain climber that could climb the face of the walls without any ropes. So we're, they're going to learn so much about so much cool stuff, awesome family experiences, bike rides, you name it. Hmm. Epic two weeks. And um, we really needed it. And we started driving back to our house in, in Loomis at the time. And we could see as we were getting closer that like, uh oh, the real world was sneaking back in. Maddie was instantly starting to get worried of like, oh, wait. I need to get my homework done. Mm. Wait, I've got school again tomorrow. We're thinking the same thing as parents. Oh, we got work again tomorrow. We yeah. got to, so that was a nice fantasy land, two weeks of our life that we lived, but we got to get back to it. We get back on Sunday and Maddie is uh, super stressed about her stuff. And I said, well, let's just see if we can knock out your homework. I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. That year prior, I had read the four hour work week, changed my whole business processes to that. Part of that's about focus and no distractions. You can get 40 hours a week done, work done in a couple hours. Hmm. I sit down with Maddie. I start teaching her, let's go through your homework. She's doing it, she's doing it, she's doing it. I teach her how to do long division. Uh, we get through the stuff and we're surprised that two hours later we finish her two weeks worth of homework and she feels so relieved and excited. And we're like, wow, that was awesome. I take her to school the next day, uh, drop her off. Everything's good. She's not no longer stressed because she at least caught up. And when I picked her up that day, that was one of the first times I'd seen her super excited. 
um, when I picked her up from school instead of exhausted, but she wasn't excited because she had a good school. Age. She was like, dad, you'll never believe it. The, they didn't even get to long division when we were gone. I'm ahead of everybody wow. right now. And she was so excited and so happy. And we were like, whoa, we just had two awesome weeks of our life. We did your homework in two hours for the, that covered that two weeks and you're caught up and or you're ahead. And that really started making us question like, what are they teaching you guys all day? What's mm -hmm. your school week like? That was the birth of the five hour school week, which came out to, we believe in five hours a week, our kids can learn everything that they would learn in a normal classroom with focus and guidance and what we do. But then that leaves the rest of the week to do all sorts of this other fun stuff, which can be whatever they want. And Maddie, as a result, runs some online businesses and she makes you know animations. Like she lives this epic life where she really gets to kind of do whatever she wants. Plus she gets to keep caught up in school. Um, so that was the concept. It was like this two week accident that happened in Yosemite for the next year before we pulled them out of school. We just kept going on one and two week vacations like that where I wouldn't work, they wouldn't do homework. We would yeah. come back and do it all on Sunday. And it was this really fun balance. And then eventually like seven or eight months later, my wife was like, why are we even doing the school thing at all? Let's just pull them out and do it full bore. And she kind of runs the five hour school. It's, it's more like a movement. There are so many families and people that are a part of that with her um, online. But yeah, it was really just about changing our life and then sharing our story with others. That's cool. And uh, we can put it in the show notes, but you guys have like a, a, like a website and stuff for all that, right? Where could people find that? Yeah. So the, um, five hour school week.com, you can see, you know, some stuff, you can see the book, you get the book on, on in Amazon or audible, but the most content that you can get is if they go follow my wife on Instagram, mm. because she has, she has so much interaction there. She loves getting to talk to people and work with people on that. And she doesn't have like a special coaching program. Right now. People are always like contacting her like, Hey, let's, let's do your coaching program. Let's do this. And she, um, part of even you know, our experience from way back when, sorry, is, was she would rather kind of not get paid for that. She doesn't want to cheapen it. She'd rather like just give it away for free. So she, so she helps people like crazy. She loves taking calls, you know, reviewing it with people. But it's, uh, if, you, if you're questioning school at all, then it's a great thing to go to. Meaning, um, sorry to turn off the ringer on my no phone. Worries. Like if you're, if, if you're at all thinking like, hey, school for us just doesn't feel quite right. Then the cool thing about our book is it just helps you question it to know that there's other options out there. Mm -hmm. We don't say everyone should do the five hour school week, but we do believe that there's a perfect something, or there's a perfect way to learn. There's a perfect classroom. There's a perfect school for everybody. And most of the time we probably don't know it. Or as parents, we probably weren't taught to question it. So it's okay to question mm -hmm. like, am I allowed to do something else with my kids for education? Yeah. That's, did you guys see a big spike last year with, with COVID and everything going on there or what was? So a huge spike in interest. It was, um, there were some growing pains with that though, because, uh, it was, there weren't necessarily our people that were falling. So, so yeah. the people that really like the way we do it are the people that are kind of questioning the way the world is Yeah, right. that are like, you know what? I don't want to do it just because I've been told I have to. Yeah. Um, but part of the spike of COVID was somebody that was forced now to homeschool and they were okay with their kids sitting for eight hours in a chair doing the transaction with the school, but they wanted to like know how to do it better. So some people would read our book and they're like, this is crap. They didn't teach me how to homeschool. Yeah. Like the, they live this weird, unrealistic life. Um, so, but huge growth. Like, so the, um, on her social media, it was probably tripled 
uh, last year, I, I think post COVID book sales, book sales are through the roof all the time right now. It's crazy. Like she doesn't even tell people she has a book. She doesn't promote to people. She has a book. She's just on Instagram talking to people. Mm. People get it. They promote it. They do all that themselves. It's amazing that for running no ads, no anything, how many book sales we get. But um, yeah, the COVID definitely pushed a lot of people to realize like maybe there's something wrong with the system. I think part of it was some people saw their kid now sit for eight hours in a chair and they were like, what? (laughs) Like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, Like, it's not the best way. Like you and I don't live life like that. Even when a full day working, we're not going to spend eight hours sitting in our chair. Yeah. That's crazy. Does your wife do like podcasts and stuff? Yeah. She goes, um, she likes, uh, she does not have a podcast. She gets on a lot of podcasts. Um, that's where she thrives yeah. the most, yeah. being able to just have like these interactions with people where they ask questions. And um, she's gone and presented at a few different things as well. But yeah, she's she is great to talk to about cool. it. I would actually like as a follow up to have her on because I think I think this is powerful and you know maybe even get her on Kara's show, which is Marriage, Money, and Mayhem. But we can chat about that later. So thank you for uh, pulling the curtain back on that. You may have answered the next two questions already because we talked about a lot of stuff. If not, I'd love to hear the insight, but, uh, question number three, what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Yeah. The, that's so funny that I did like the same answer for number two, that should have been number three. You're like, what made the most impact? And my setbacks made my biggest impact. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the most, the, the, the family one was the, was definitely the biggest, setback the biggest the the most detrimental one that was so heart pounding and if i was going to summarize it to one thing with that it is really just that you know tomorrow's not promised and don't take life for granted if you if you focus on that then those other principles behind it are easier to follow because i tell you what you might not be happy in your marriage until you are about to lose it mm-hmm. or until you're having to start considering sharing holidays you know, with your kids and other people. And like, when it really goes like, and you start to go like, you know what, this part of my life wasn't that bad. Like, yeah. it's so funny. You take our, I take our, I took a bunch of my life for granted. And then it, when I, I was praying, it was just praying to get just a little bit of that back. Mm-hmm. I could get just a little bit of that income back, just a little bit of that family back. If I could just still get to have Christmas with my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that second setback, the biggest thing was tomorrow is not promised and, and don't, don't take life for granted. And, um, that also creates the need to create more experiences and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, what is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Yeah. The, and you and I are, are, are similar in that lately I've, I've been, um, the experiences over things. Um, and I think it's even more important now because of the world that we live in Mm. like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Vegas was wide open again. Mm-hmm. And we went for it a hundred percent and we did everything. And it was really cool because a year ago, my wife said, will we ever get to go to a concert again? Mm-hmm. Will we ever get to go into a room with all these people again? It was COVID was also really traumatic for her yeah, as yeah. it was for millions of people. Sure. Right. And so getting to like, go have that experience again was so uplifting for her to be like, cool. People remember what it's like. And now today, Las Vegas, their masks are being required again and they're starting some shutdowns again. Yeah. So the experiences over things like do it as soon as you can mm-hmm. because tomorrow is not promised. So it's it's an even more important thing now in this weird post-COVID yeah. world of 
there could be a, you could say, you know what? I won't go to this concert. I'll go to the next one. There might not be a next one. Yeah. There might not be a next one for a long time. And um, no one will ever be able to take away your memories. Money will come and go. Like, I think that after, I mean, knock on wood, after this third reset, I don't, I think that now I've learned my lesson. I don't think I'm going to have to have an, another reset. But even if I have to have another reset, they will not, no one will be able to take away my memories. No one will be able to take away the things that I did or the experience that I did with my wife and kids. Or when we, you know, we took an art last year, we took an RV crowd, hit 17 states. You know, next year we'll hit another 17. Like those are the things that no one can ever take away. So yeah. you'll never regret if you choose to go big on an experience. And if you choose to say yes right now and go do the experience instead of postponing it till later. Yeah, it's so good. I, f I found myself last year when COVID hit actually thinking that because we've seen, you know, my, my kids have probably seen more countries than most people see in their life, which is sad. But when COVID hit, I found myself thinking like, you know, I, I might not, there's a, there's a chance that I might not get to see certain places ever again ever again um, or you know places that I wanted to go and so you know just a, along the lines of what you're saying with your wife it really I, I don't think you can ever think that enough and you can never like drill it down in ourselves enough and there's something that um, as you were saying all that you know I've I've hit some rock bottoms too but there was a period of time in oh I think it was oh seven it was a gold mine shut down on us and they owed us like 400 grand um, which was a ton of money at that point in time it still is a ton of money um it was a scary time and I'll save you the details, but, um, get to the punchline here. I went through hell because number one, they owed us all that money. Number two, the world was changing super fast and we were, had too much debt. I had too many employees. I had to look 30 employees in the eye around Christmas time and lay them off. Um, it was a really, really challenging time for me. And I remember Kara telling me, you know, I was, I was, I don't even remember how big of an asshole I was being, but I'm sure I was an asshole. I was stressed out. You know, I had a lot of stuff going on. And I remember one day she said to me, she's like, you're not yourself. You need to slow down. You need to like, I don't know exactly how she said it. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, we could literally lose everything. And I remember like kind of pointing to the house, like we could lose all of this. And she looked at me and she said, what are they going to do? Take our kids? Yeah. And I was like, man, that just hit me right between the eyes. Cause it's, you know, it, and it didn't change the fact that I had to grind and figure this stuff out. And, but it changed my perspective around it. Like it totally just, she, it's like she grabbed me and shook me. Right. And we need that in life sometimes. And that's why I'm so appreciative about number one, your transparency, but your story. I have a question circling back to question number two that I wrote down. Um, we're fortunate to have the people, um, number one, our spouses and the lessons we've learned and, Go abundance. Um, that was one thing that really anchored for me when you did your seven to eight call, like, um, and you said it earlier quickly, but I think it was during your, it was either your second or third. Um, I guess it was during your third issue. Um, you found go abundance kind of simultaneously. Yeah. How much, and obviously this is a, almost a loaded rhetorical question, but how much does that circle matter? Yeah. The, uh, Man, it was, uh, I think masterminds are magic. Like, I just, I just think they're, they're magic. I can't hype it enough as something that I had no idea how important that would be in my life. Um, I, I got to say, your story of your wife saying, what are we going to do? What are they going to do? Take away our kids. That is the moment when you realize, like, yes at any time, all this stuff could be taken away. 
But if I do my job right as a father and as a spouse, my kids will love me anyway. My spouse will love me anyway. And we can always start over. Mm -hmm. And as entrepreneurs, we can always start over. So the, that's such an awesome lesson you got to hear. And when you reminded me of that, both during my 728 and, and in your talks, I think that's such a fantastic way to, I'm sure I will say that to somebody someday. There's going to be somebody in my life that's going to say, I'm going to lose all of this, Aaron. I get a lot of people that call me for advice during some record and I'll be, and that's exactly what I'm going to tell them. I'm going to say, what are they going to do? Take your kids because it's not because you still have, you know, that as an option. When you talk about in 2015, so like Go Abundance is an awesome mastermind you and I are part of. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of masterminds that are out there. I had no idea what masterminds were there. And it totally feels like a God-given timing for me that I found it mm -hmm. because I had when I found GoBundance, I had just found like this Texas market again. I just cleaned up some of my wreckage. I had discovered our five hour school week lifestyle, but you know, we weren't, but it wasn't a book yet. And it was only, we were just kind of doing it. Um, and when I got to meet the guys there, some of the really cool stuff as I was sharing my own story was it was for the first time ever, I was able to be open and honest about everything. Hmm. Right. So when I, I remember being in line at my kid's school. I couldn't have said, those are my only friends before that, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't have said, hey, I'm having a really rough time. I lost a million dollars last year and I don't know how I'm going to start my next business, mm -hmm. right? Like there's no comprehension of that. There'd yeah. be no comprehension, no way to fathom that, no way to have a conversation, nothing. So instead of saying that, I would say, I'm doing fine. Yeah. How's it going, Aaron? You know, and so the, so one cool, the, so the coolest thing for me about GoBundance was no longer having to pull punches on any of the conversations because I could also celebrate my wins and mm -hmm. I could say, Hey, Mike, this is awesome. I actually bought this apartment complex and I was able to do this, this, and this to it and sell it. And I made a whole bunch of money on it. Mm -hmm. And now that's going to carry me through for the next year. And so being able to have those conversations open and honest with people, then you get to hear all these other ideas that mm -hmm. people have. Yeah. And you get to hear the ways they're doing it and the ways they're doing it and the ways they're doing it. And then you have people to go through for advice. Like, um, I, I mean, there's one person in GoBundance that I've done business deals with because my rule has been, I don't even want to do business deals with people there because I want to be able to go there for my advice when mm -hmm. I screw up a business deal. Yeah. I want to be able to go there when I'm like, Hey, how do I, how do I do this? It's been so crucial to have people to bounce business ideas off of, then also experience life with people that now see life the way I see it, having a tribe of people where we can all hang out and I don't have to explain where my mind of thinking is. So you and I having this conversation, it's so easy. And you and I being surprised how much we have in common, that actually isn't, it shouldn't be that surprising right. because we met through this whole circle. So having a circle of friends like that, having the guidance like that, um, I say, I tell people a lot, if I would have had GoBundance in my life in 2011, mm. in 2012, that first time my business was absolutely crushing it, man, the, you know, the change that I could be making in the world already today, mm -hmm. like how much further ahead I, I would have been had I had that guidance of somebody just saying like, Hey, Aaron, why don't you think about doing this instead? Or have yeah. you thought about investing and doing this thing instead? So yeah, I can't, I can't score enough of how lucky I was with the timing of that and how important it is, but it's all my, all my closest friends are, I, I learned that your closest friends don't have to be people that you live next door to. Mm -hmm. So my favorite people in the world became people all over the U.S. And I'd start traveling to go see them and hang out with them and create experiences with them. I'm super lucky that a bunch of them all live in the same town now. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of by design for all of us. Four or five years ago, a lot of us that were all hanging out together all lived in different places. Mm. And we all have like ended up in Austin now 
And part of, part of it is because we all wanted to hang out more. We wanted to have a more central place to be around our tribe. So yeah, yeah my, my short long answer of that is definitely was crucial and a huge part of the equation of me coming back to where I am now and fast tracked everything on my yeah. growth after, you know, I, I say this a lot, but one of the reasons, you know, obviously we get into a mastermind or, you know, whether it's go abundance is special by the way. And I, when you said, you know, you don't do a lot of business dealings, it's a place where you could actually do a ton of business dealings. But I was just having this conversation yesterday with another GoBro, as we call it, Cody. And I was telling him like, I don't even, I don't even like ever really talk about my business unless somebody asks me because I have all these other masterminds and groups and, you know, lists that I'm farming and all this stuff. And I'm in GoBundance because it's just a bunch of badass dudes that make me a better version of me. I haven't, I've done very few business dealings in GoBundance too, even though it's a place to do it. So I resonate with that. But here's, here's one thing that, as you know, as you were saying that a lot of times we join a mastermind, there's that old saying, you know, Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, which I think there's a ton of truth around that. But when you circled back and you said, you know, if I had GoBundance in 07, um, it hit me one day that when I walk into a room like GoBundance, yes, I'm the average of the five people I spend the most time with and they're going to up my average. I get that. But who do I have to become in order for them to let me stay there? And that's been like, ever since that hit me, like you can't help but getting into a room and you could say that's reciprocal. Well, the reason why is because, you know, they're, you're, you're becoming a higher average, but you can't remain an asshole and hang out with, you know, guys like you, you can't, you can't remain who you are in 07 or 15 or whatever and, and, and be leveled up or, or remain in groups like that. And so that's, what's been so powerful. You know, like if I was even just this conversation, like if that group didn't level me up, I wouldn't have the privilege of having you on this show and, and to be able to, you know, hear the ins and outs of this. So a lot of times we're looking and, and rightly so people that are listening, you should try to get in bigger rooms, but you should also, which is everything that you've been saying, you should be looking internally and figuring out what the changes that I need to make. Who do I have to become in order to be able to hang out with a guy like Aaron? And not that you're faking anything. You've just got to dig deep and fix, fix the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, when you first get into those rooms, we talk about it a lot. Like our goal is to get into a room where we're not the smartest person in the room because then you're going to learn from everybody else. But we don't say it enough. You're absolutely right. Like the, but if you don't commit to actually um, getting better and like growing and learning, then because you want it to be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. Like when I sit down and there's a group of five or six badasses next to me, and I'm so stoked to be at the same table with them. Yeah. The hope is that they are just as stoked to be at the same table with me. And like, that's the, that is the key part of the exchange. So yes, you don't just get to, it, it's, it's not magic in the sense that if you don't, if you don't commit and do it um, and like go, go through the process, you're not going to get as much out of it. But man, it is talk about a way to fast track everything mm -hmm. and just throw rocket fuel on whatever you're doing. There was, remember, there were so many ideas that I would hear them be like, a guy's doing Facebook marketing. Oh, I wish I had a business for that. Another guy's doing like this, this email marketing campaign. And I thought that was so interesting with the way my brain worked. Oh, I wish I had a business for that. Eventually I actually bought these business. Now I own businesses where I'm getting to learn that stuff. And part of it was, I heard somebody talk about it once in 2017. And in 2020, when I got a chance to buy this business, I was like, Oh, I know the guy to talk to about that. There's, there's so much stuff that you learn from it, but yeah, the, uh, 
you got to, it has to be reciprocal. You have to be just as excited. You can't just show up. You got to, you got to be honest in who you are. And it, the cool thing about any of those masterminds out there too, they sure, they sure sort themselves out by themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, like eventually, yeah. you know, the people that are supposed to stay, stay. But when we all get to go hang out, that's when it's like the, the coolest part of the magic. Like mm-hmm. out in Austin, we're like, go, go get on a wake surf boat. And when like seven of us go hang out, yeah. like it is just so natural, even when there's two or three new guys that you've never met before, mm-hmm. because all of us have so, such the same kind of mindset and hope in our life and, and drive. So yeah, yeah as far yeah. as a, a commercial for that thing, man, I, the, I, have, I, I'm lucky because of it. Cause I get to meet guys like you. Um, cause we get to meet other people. It helps us with everything that, that we're doing and it make and it really is, it makes for a better life. Whoever your circle is, you got to, you are who you defy people you hang out with. You got to up, you got to raise your game. You got to raise your circle. Any of your listeners, even if it's not a, a, a go buttons mastermind, something else, like you are who you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And so you want to hang out with people that are slightly better than you, but then strive to get at their level. So they want to hang out with you too. Yeah. Just get in the room. You said something earlier and I'll, I'll wrap this up cause I've held you captive for long enough. Um, you said okay. something earlier about being in the line at the school, you know, and somebody would ask you, how you doing, Aaron? Oh, I'm fine. And it made me realize as you're talking about all this, there's, you know, there's the six pillars that go abundance, but the authentic relationship piece and the genuine contribution and the extreme account, all those are, are valuable. But just even like you, you're an open book, you're transparent. There's an authenticity around you. And that's what you didn't have when you were in, you know, talking to the guys in line at the, at, at the school or whatever, like people just don't know how to be real and authentic. And, you know, like you said, you had to just, I'm fine because there's no authentic conversations and relationships. And that's the one thing that I've really found in GoBundance. And also like, you know, if you're not going to be authentic and genuine, you're not going to fit in anyway. So, you know, you have to come with that mindset and approach, but I feel like that's the thing that's really missing is just being genuine and authentic. And when you're struggling, be honest about it. I mean, you came right out the gate and said, I went to prison. I've said it before too, but I don't know if you know this, but I was addicted to meth and went to jail and dude, I almost robbed a bank. Did I? Yeah. I didn't know that part of your story. I don't know that we would have went through with it, but we were planning it like, and guns, meth, like drug dealing. And that's my charge, you know that, right? Like that's that's my charge. Yeah. (laughs) The real deal. Yeah. Um, it, but it doesn't, you know, that, that was just stupid decisions and, you know, bad decisions we made. It didn't, it didn't, doesn't, it's not who you are today. And I appreciate your authenticity around that. I tell you what, the um, being allowed to be authentic is such a gift. Like that is the part of GoBundance that really helped change the rest of my life. Like people go to counselors, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're stressed or you're depressed, go to a counselor because you can tell them. Mm-hmm. And when you tell them, they help walk you through it. When you tell someone about what's going on. But when you're at a place where you get to be 100% authentic about anything to everybody, now, there used to be a lot of power in some of those stories that I didn't like leading with it because I would lose business deals from it sure. because some people mattered. I had to get a lot more confident myself to realize like I am an open book. I could tell everybody the up and down stories, the like the biggest mistakes I made in hopes that they learn from them too. And the, but I tell you what, man, it is so much easier to sleep if you get to be 100%. Like I, I love being able to come on a show like yours where I can be 100% authentic. We don't have to worry about scaring off any of your listeners, mm-hmm. anything else and get to tell the story and where they're always, and there's always going to be some sure. judgment that comes my way because of it, but yeah. it sure helps clear my heart yeah. and my conscience about it. And then hopefully too, somebody else gets to hear it and go, wow, that was part of my story too. So yeah, it's 
it's a challenge to be authentic sometimes. You know, the world tells us not to be. If you get to be in rooms where you get to be authentic and share exactly who you are mm -hmm. and you don't have to pull any punches, man, like the need for counseling goes out the window. The yeah. need for like to be able to tell somebody else because, you know, you could, it's like you, you're venting, you're, you're, you're venting about the ups and downs just by being honest. So yeah, I, I love the, I love the ability that I get to do that. I love yeah. that I get to be authentic. It helps make me feel better about everything. I love that. And then, you know, once that becomes second nature to us, we were at dinner last week with two other couples and one couple we know pretty well. We've traveled with them a lot and they're not in GoBundance or anything. They've just been great friends. And there was this other couple there and immediately out the gate, I don't even remember what I said, but it, the conversation just went deep because I said something that was open and honest and, you know, about something that I was feeling or dealing with or whatever. And that guy messaged me the next day and he's like, we talked about that conversation for two hours when we got home and another hour this morning. And he said, I've never seen that level of authenticity in a, in a, at a dinner table. And I'm just like, like you said, we get to be in that and it becomes second nature. But what's cool about that is once you learn that, now you get to bring other people into that world because everybody wants to be real and genuine. Everybody wants that. Yeah. No, we've had the relationship type ones get really powerful too. When, when a couple comes over, they're, they're having some, you know, they, they tell Kalina and I they're having problems with their relationship and she will drop several bombs on them mm -hmm. about our absolute worst times and about some of the things that I, things that I did and the ways and, and her sides of the things and how we had to battle our way out of it. And people instantly are like, what the heck? Like the, sometimes pretty quickly after we meet people, but it does end up changing their life. It changes their, then they get to be honest really quick and they get to be more honest about what they're going through, even to each other. Like we've seen, like Kalina has opened up so quickly with some people. Then we see spouses opening up to each other for the first time right there to be like, whoa, if they can say that. And I can be more honest about this. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, um, it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to do it. It gets to help other people and it gets to, you know, that's also like your, one of your questions early on. How do you make sure you don't make the same mistake? Hmm. Right? How do you make sure that you don't relive some of those same mistakes? You have to be totally okay with sharing your mm -hmm. mistakes, the worst of them with people pretty openly, even the super embarrassing ones. And mm -hmm. if you keep those at the top, you'll remember they had them and you'll prevent yourself from doing them again. Wow. So good, man. Well, again, I've held you long enough. So any final, uh, any final words? Yeah, no final word. Hopefully your listeners like stayed through that for the longest, for the longest time. The, uh, we, I usually do not do hour and 10 minute podcast interviews, but it's been so fun. And you and I could probably keep talking for a while. I can't wait to see you more out here in our neck of the woods soon. I'll see you in Colorado. Um, and I'll probably, I don't know if I'll see you in Austin before that or not, but, uh, but yeah, can't wait to hang out some more and it's an honor to get to come on here and talk about these stories. Yeah. Well, I'd be surprised if people didn't hear this one through. So where can people find you? Um, Instagram is the most fun way for us to reach out. Um, and my name, it, 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 they type my name, they can Google me, find all sorts of stuff. I have a podcast uh, that I talk about real estate all the time, but Instagram is the best way for people to see what's going on to message me directly. And that's just at Aaron Amuchastegui. So the, my parents gave me a very simple first name because my last name is complicated. So it's A-A-R-O-N. And then if you just get to like A-M-U, so if you're searching at Aaron A-M-U, then it'll find me. There's very, the name gets pretty unique. Uh, after that. So um, yeah, Aaron, we just take an Instagram. It's the best way to, to reach out. And yeah, I've got some, got some real estate software companies and foreclosure stuff and real estate. We didn't even talk about like that sort of stuff. But if someone just wants to talk about, about just personal stuff, the stuff that me and Mike talked about today, reach out to me on Instagram. I'd be happy to talk to you. That's awesome. I've wondered this forever. Amucha Stegi, Italian or Basque? Basque. 
Nice. The, the, uh, my mom's side is Italian, so we grew up thinking it was Italian. We just assume that because the Italian people are very loud in our life. But yeah, Basque people come from Portugal and Spain. I think the uh, the spelling at the end, I learned it. The E-G-U-I is a mm. unique spelling. So a lot of Basque names end in E-G-U-I. Yeah. Uh, so where, I don't even know if I say it right. but where, where we came from in Elko is a huge Basque community. So um, yeah. the Star Hotel, that's that's where we that's where we lived. Yes, dude. Elko. So the the star the owner of the Star Hotel is a, is an Amuchastegui, the uh, from way back when. So the yeah the that's so is so funny. But yeah, there are a lot of Basque people there, and there were a lot of you know my people I was related to mm-hmm. in Elko, Nevada. Yeah, so. that's where we lived for twenty seven years. Freaking awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Great stories. Great talking today, dude. Yeah. Thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Listeners. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.